In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. I just saw a sight that delighted my heart. Many of you probably didn't see it, but some of our children were running to Sunday school. How's that? How do we outgrow that, running to Sunday school? On my first trip to the Holy Land, our group had the opportunity of walking on what is believed to be the road to Emmaus. It was a dusty road that led from a monastery that we had also visited. It wasn't like many of the holy sites where churches had been built on holy spots or other ways of clearly marking a spot as very visible. This was just a dusty road and road, a road that invited us to enter into the story as we walked for a bit. There were only 12 of us on our trip, which was a wonderful way to travel because we moved about very easily in a small bus. And it was an amazing part of our journey to imagine what it might have been like to walk with Cleopas and Jesus. Somehow putting my feet on that ground, which may have been the Emmaus Road, made the story real. I still remember that walk on the dusty road that was back in 1994. Jerome Murphy O'Connor has a wonderful guidebook of the Holy Land, and in it he indicates that there are possibly four different sites of the Emmaus Road. Were we walking on the right one? I don't know. I know I've mentioned my time in the Holy Land on multiple occasions, and yet this is what happens when one travels there. Those of you who've been there know that. The stories of the Bible come alive in new ways. It's hard to hear the story, like Luke's first appearance of the risen Christ with the disciples on the Emmaus Road, without remembering one's personal experience of being on that road. Having one's feet on holy ground changes you in memory and in body. In the process of walking with and listening to, those early disciples gradually came to see the risen Lord over a journey of seven miles and also of their being together around a meal. Their eyes were opened. Several hours, the two disciples recall all that happened to Jesus and tell the story. Luke's Gospel tells us that on the same day that Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women, and Peter, and the other disciple, all had gone to the tomb, the empty tomb, and found it empty, but they did not see Jesus then. The two were walking, told what happened in Jerusalem, and all of a sudden, they were joined by Jesus and yet they didn't recognize him. Jesus wanted to know what they were talking about, and Cleopas answered, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have taken place there in these days? And Jesus asked them, what things? And they began to tell him all that had happened. We had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel, one said sadly, and perhaps in desperation and in unbelief. They were leaving Jerusalem with their hearts torn and had given up hope. And Jesus appeared to them 
in the midst of their distress, and they didn't even know it. In the message translation, Jesus says to them, so thick-headed, so slow-hearted, why can't you simply believe all that the prophets said? Don't you see that these things had to happen, that the Messiah had to suffer and only then enter into his glory? Then Jesus interpreted all of the stories through scripture that were about him, beginning with Moses and the prophets. He opened their eyes to the teachings about himself. The two desperate disciples told Jesus stories and Jesus told them stories in return. This feeling of hopelessness is not unique to those two disciples walking on a dusty road. We can all probably think of a time or times when we were feeling hopeless and sadness takes over beyond understanding. And those times we're called to remember that Jesus promised that he would always be with us. It's easy to lose sight of how Christ is present for and with us, especially in difficult times. Sometimes someone comes along with a listening ear or a hug or a call or a touch. Sometimes walks along, some people walk along with us on a journey from hopelessness to hopefulness. A question to consider is what, where is Christ now? By, in various times of the day, I invite you to bring that question to mind. Where is Christ now? Especially when you're feeling perplexed or anxious or angry. And notice how you feel when you ask yourself that question. Where is Christ now? Those two disciples invited Jesus to have a meal with them, not knowing who the stranger was or that the stranger was Jesus. The Emmaus story invites us to remember that we are, we are most likely to encounter God through acts of love and generosity and hospitality. The story also reminds us poignantly of what happens at a table, at this table, as we gather every Sunday. When Jesus was at their table, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. Those four acts, he took, blessed, broke, and gave the bread to them, are the same acts in our Eucharistic prayers. The disciples' eyes were opened and they recognized him. Cooking a meal for one another or simply sharing a meal is one of the most, our most culture's fundamental expressions of hospitality and kindness and generosity. I wonder when there has been a particular time or times you've shared a meal with someone you didn't know well, or times that you've shared a meal with someone that you didn't know at all. In the sacredness of eating together, you learn more about that person and you get to know them on a deeper level. Maybe the encounter that you had opened your eyes to what you had been too distracted to see. Like these disciples, there can be unexpected clarity and even epiphanies along the way. 
In the Hartford area, there's a, a group called the Greater Hartford Interfaith Action Alliance, GIA for short. I may have told you about this group before, but it's a group that came together years ago to learn community organizing and some 40 plus houses of faith are engaged and work together much more effectively than one single church or, or mosque or, or, or synagogue or any other kind of faith could do alone. There were all sorts of Christian denominations in that group and still are as well as interfaith groups working together. In the beginning, we as clergy met once a month, and we always had a, a light meal as we gathered. And at the end of the meeting was a basket that was passed around that had little slips of paper, and in the basket had each piece of paper had a name on it. We were invited to draw from the hat and made a commitment to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with that person between that meeting we were in and the next one. And that conversation might have been over a cup of coffee or a, a lunch, whatever our choice. And amid our differences, it was an intentional meeting of getting to know the person, no business, just getting to know the other person. For many of us didn't know each other. And we began to walk as people of faith, ultimately addressing Hartford's unfair housing practices and other justice issues that, that bubbled up in the process of our time. We walk together rather than alone with legislators to make a difference. For there is power in walking together. There were many times when our eyes were opened. So part of the walking on the dusty Emmaus Road is paying attention to who walks with us and being willing to listen to one another's stories. I believe Jesus appeared in all sorts of ways and continues to do that as we're paying attention. Sometimes it's very subtle. Sometimes it's a profoundly surprising way. As we're willing to share our story, it helps others discover a little more about how Jesus might be working along with them, walking along with them and us, and also working in their lives. The good news is that Jesus is still present with us all these years later, walking with us and being fully present in the meal we're about to share at this table. I invite you to think about how might you be walking the Emmaus Road, that dusty road at this time in your life. Amen.